Hi, I'm Josh McDonald. And I'm Miranda Materi, and we are Camp Therapy Academy. We wanted to take a couple of minutes and share with you some of the courses we have coming out this year, things we've been working on for a while we're kind of excited about. Three different topics we have coming out. One is Dupuytrens, one is Carpal Kinematics, and then we have Wound Care in the Hand Therapy Clinic. So lots of content coming out. Hopefully it helps build your practice skills. Yeah, and so for today, we're just going to highlight some of the tips from each of those courses. So we're going to come up with two to three from each one, uh, what Josh and I gleaned most from it, and uh, what we can share with you moving forward. One of the things, for, well, let's cover Dupuytrens first. That's the one coming out in uh, beginning of February. One of the things I got from it, we always learn a ton when we're putting all of this together. Like we're doing a ton of research and we're growing as therapists as we do this. One of the ones that I kind of like hit home for me was how little the research supports and how it kind of contradicts the idea that you can manage this conservatively. There is lots and lots of research that shows that trying to manage Dupuytrens with splinting, with soft tissue management, with eye stim, with all of that does not make a substantial difference. That they really need um, intervention from a surgeon or another provider to do some of the other open release, aponeurosis, um, aponeurotomy, sorry, aponeurotomy, or um, uh, collagenase injections. That the conservative management just does not have the outcomes that it, that it warrants. Right. And I think the only time conservative would be warranted is if for some reason you're not a surgical candidate or you're not a candidate for the other um, procedures as well. And then you're telling that patient, hey, the research doesn't support this. We can try it for three to four weeks and see if there's any changes or if you feel better, but know that your outcomes are not supported by or the outcomes you hope to gleam are not necessarily supported by research. And if you do attempt a conservative management, there is some risk. There is some contraindication to that. Miranda, um, what are some of the risks involved if you do decide to kind of go for it and, and work on passive range of motion and splinting and some of those things without the surgical intervention? Yeah, so there's risk for conservative treatment and there's risk for post-operative treatment. And I'll share both with you right now, but I think um, the risk for conservative treatment, which meaning no intervention has been done by another provider outside of hand therapy, um, there's some small literature showing that if you're too aggressive, you can actually um, cause the Dupuytrens to become worse. So these aren't the patients that you're going to go in and aggressively massage that area, right? Because if you're increasing the inflammation and the inflammatory cells, then um, there's theories that believe that that could actually make the Dupuytrens worse. I do think from managing it conservatively, you can help treat um, the PIP joint contractures. So one thing is trying to make sure you're stretching the PIP joint without doing too much stretching and then educating them on um, performing central slip exercises. We know if you have a prolonged PIP joint contraction, the concern is that that central slip becomes attenuated. So I think a lot of the conservative management for Dupuytrens is educating your patient. These are the risks. This is what happens if you go wrong and then not being too aggressive. Now on the post-operative side with these patients, if you're very aggressive after they've had the procedure done, whether it be an open or uh, the um, injection or the neuroponeurotomy, if you're too aggressive, it creates a flare response. And this flare response can 
cause increased pain for the patient. The recovery time is much longer. So with these patients, you want to handle them delicately. You want to do more low, low, long duration stretching as opposed to being super aggressive with them. Because uh, I've seen a lot of harm done. And I've even talked to surgeons who said, hey, I don't really want to send my Dupuytren's post-op patients to a clinic because a lot of times I've seen it get worse. I think the reason it gets worse is because you may have an inexperienced therapist or someone that doesn't know being too aggressive with these can actually make the surgical outcomes much worse. So those that's kind of how I treat them conservatively and non-conservatively. Okay. Let's talk a little bit. That's just a, a glimpse. Let's talk a little bit about our carpal kinematics course. This kind of branched off from a short course we had a while ago. We wanted to go back and redo it a little bit better. And then I was able to speak on it at ASHT back in, I think, October, November. Um, and so we kind of took that and built on it and created a course all about visi and dissi and carpal instability, non-dissociative and carpal instability. Uh, complex and adaptive and all these other kinds of concepts and what all that means for our practice when patients actually walk in the door. So lots of information. It's a very dense topic, but hopefully it kind of builds on your skills to treat those patients when they come in. And I think this course is great just for understanding risk kinematics in general, right? Without pathology. So there's the non-pathology and the pathology part. And I think a lot of times, at least when I'm teaching our there's a lot of questions on how do the carpal bones move and so how do they move normally and then how do they move abnormally so i think it's a really great course and i'm really excited about that one being released and a little bit of a sneak peek at what we talk about um there's discussion about which muscles are friendly and unfriendly which ones help with scapholunate versus lunotriquetral and there's some debate you can read two or three um, articles that will disagree with each other on the role of flexor carpi radialis and what role that plays and should i be using it for lunotriquetral maybe scapholunate well what we've done is we kind of winnowed it down to when you have a lunotriquetral injury, you could use FCR, but at the end range of that muscle's proximal excursion, it leverages against the scaphoid, pushes the scaphoid back, and causes a supination rotation of the scaphoid, which does the opposite of what you want. Originally, it's a pronator and then turns into a supinator when that tendon finally finishes its arc of motion, and it pushes that scaphoid back. So what we did was we said, listen, if you've got lunotriquetral stuff, you've got plenty of material to work on to stabilize with ECU. Let's not include FCR. Let's just leave that out because when does it shift from friendly to unfriendly? We don't really know, and it could be different by person. So let's just take FCR out of the equation. You can still use it for some of the midcarpal instabilities because there's no lunotriquetral com uh, compromise. But if you've got a patient with a lunotriquetral injury, hold off on FCR stuff because what you don't know is that it may be adding the wrong kind of load if you're using too much of that range of motion. Even if it's not range of motion, but you're using isometrics and that muscle is having too much proximal excursion, just set aside the FCR, save it for midcarpal instability, not the LT. Yeah, that's a great tip. Yeah. Last course we have coming out towards the end of the year, early fall, is on wound care. Wound care specifically for hand therapy, not just giant wound care stuff, but 
in our practices, we've done some podcasts on this. We can't keep all of the materials. We can't keep all the hydrocolloids. We get, it's helpful to know what they do. And if you in, are in a high wound care practice, you need to know what these are. And maybe you have to have them and know when to use them. But boil it down. What do I need in my hand therapy clinic? Yeah. And one tip I'd like to share with doing wound care is check the expiration date of your products that you're using. Because if it is something that you haven't used in a while and it's outdated, then you're going to put yourself for a liability. So I always say check the date on all your wound care products. Yeah, definitely. And that's as a practice owner, it stinks to have to throw a bunch of stuff away because it's all expired, but it's way worse if a patient gets an infection or it doesn't cover the wound enough or it gives some other complication. That's a way bigger risk. So definitely, definitely avoid that. Another one of the things I took when doing this course, and I sat through some wound care, um, other some lectures at the Hand Surgeons Conference, um, learned a bunch of stuff. One of the things I took away from this was using less wound care products on pin sites, pin sites that are percutaneous that are sticking out a little bit. Um, every Almost every surgeon I get referrals from, they want to wrap some Xeroform around the base, cover the, you know, use a little square to cover it or something like that. And we're learning now that just holds in moisture, holds in bacteria and propagates more growth, can cause maceration where that Xeroform is. Whatever the product or ointment, if it's holding in moisture, it's allowing bacteria to propagate around that in, where that pin drops subdurally. So we want to use less of that. Simple gauze wrap, maybe some Telfa over the top of it to keep it clean. But simple gauze wrap is enough. And then washing with soapy water after 48 hours, that's sufficient to keep that pin site clean without introducing uh, no hydrogen peroxide, no Xeroform. All those things can complicate it. Yeah. So keep it simple. Yeah. And that's what that course is all about, is making wound care a little bit less intimidating, a little bit less daunting when you have patients come in with graft sites, with pins that are, you know, percutaneous sticking out, all that stuff gets a little intimidating, trying to simplify it down. Okay, that completes our um, three courses we'll be releasing this year, plus redoing a flexor tendon course. Um, we look forward to hearing from you guys. If you have questions, um, email us info at hamptherapyacademy.com or check us out at Ham Therapy Academy.